Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated for the Rifuah Shalema of me. Come on. The Rifuah Shalema of Tzion Ben Sarah, Yaakov Yisrael Ben Helen, Mazal Bat Larisa, Yosef Ben Rachel, sponsored anonymously. Breakfast in the Class is also sponsored by Ralph Batesh, dedicated in honor of his wife, Jill Ann Batesh. And Breakfast in the Class is dedicated for the Rufuah Shalima of Eliyahu Ben Esther, sponsored um, by his son, Joey Jerome. You know, the, the morning after Simchat Torah, I always feel, <clears throat> I always feel like I'm a shofar. Like, you know when the guy is up there and he's like, and he can't get it, and then he just finds a spot, and then he just gets, like, a call, you know what I mean? So, I realize also that um, sometimes if I find the right place or the right pitch, then I can actually talk. But then if I move, move from there at all, then it goes, it disappears again. So Michila, I hope you'll be able to understand, <clears throat> I hope you'll be able to understand um, the Devret Torah from this morning. If the people from the breakfast of the class want to refund, <laughs> you can give the office a call. Uh, at least you got the breakfast, you got the... A partial class. All right. Rabutai, new beginnings. Bereshit Barai Elokim. You know, the Pasuk says Bereshit Barai Elokim, and our natural inclination, our natural instinct is to translate it as Bereshit Barai Elokim. In the beginning, comma, God created. Um, but perhaps another interpretation or another way to look at that Pasuk or those words is Bereshit Barai Elokim. God created the beginning, which is not the same thing. I think sequential beings, beings that can only imagine uh, the world in a linear fashion, we only imagine the world is, you know, as it is, becomes very hard to imagine what was before. So in the beginning, God created, sounds like, you know, God was hanging around in a world that we understand, and then he created some stuff in this world, like uh, other inventions that happen in this world. But really, what we're saying here is, Bereshit God created the beginning. In fact, a deeper understanding would even be, Bereshit God created the concept of a beginning. So, in a certain sense, the first creation was the creation of space and time. Before God could even create Yehi Or, so to speak, there was this creation, or at least simultaneously, there was this creation of space and time, the, the uh, idea that there was space. Where, if there is no space, where would that light reside? If there was no time, as an example, how would that light travel? It flies in the face of the way that we understand these ideas, these concepts on a scientific level. So, my friends, <clears throat> when we look back at the Pasuk of Bereshit, and we understand that this other alternative way we're really kind of understanding that there's a time within which something, there's nothing that exists and God creates everything in its virgin, in its brand new form. <coughs> now, if a person planted an apple tree and they see a beautiful apple tree grow and they see leaves and they see bark and they see, and they see uh, uh, wood, you know, it would be a fool for the person to look and say to themselves, wow, you know, 
I took the apple seed out of the apple. So the apple seed obviously just makes another apple. Where did the tree come from? Where did the leaves come from? Oh, that must have kind of got added in somewhere else. Everything that you need in order to create an apple is created, is there, is dormant within the seed of the apple itself. Even though the apple seed is not in the tree, it's not in the leaves, it's in the apple, it contains within it it, the code, the DNA, if you will. The instructions, uh, both in terms of uh, process, but also in terms of structure, to create the entire thing. Rav Tzadok HaKohen used to say all the time that just as the seed carries within it all of the various elements required to be able to make the apple, the tree, the bark, the leaves, the apple, etc., the stem, so too does everything mentioned in the Torah in its first or iterant stage, each thing, so love, marriage, understanding, peace, war, jealousy, all of these things, children, parents, the first time it's mentioned in the Torah, that time, that illustrates, that codifies for all time everything that you need to know about that thing. It's almost like there's a spiritual seed that within which is contained everything that would ever come after in terminology of love, marriage, children. And therefore we can learn the lessons that we need to learn about these topics from the very first time that you find it said in the Torah. And I want to share with you a fascinating insight from Rav Baruch Alevi Epstein, Hashem Yinkom Damo, God should revenge his blood. Uh, He was in the Jewish hospital in Pinsk when the Nazis came and they burned the hospital down and he died inside of it. He wrote the Pirush, oh, that feels good. He wrote the Pirush called Torah Timima on the Torah, very famous. You might have read it, you might have seen it before in your life. Torah Timima. So he shares what is to me an unbelievable insight. He says, We know, the Torah tells us, in the Aserta they brought that you must honor your parents. And yet, even though there are obligations that a father has to his son, we do not find those mandated or obligated or codified in the Torah. So what do I mean? The Gemara Kiddushin says that a person has to teach his kid how to have a business. A person needs to teach his kid how to swim. He has obligations, things that he's supposed to teach his kid. He's supposed to feed his child until a certain age. But that is not mandated in the Torah. It's not obligated in the Torah. Okay, is that clear? It's not obligated in the Torah. Why? Why is the mitzvah from a son to the father written in the Torah and the mitzvah from a father to a son not written in the Torah? And he shares something unbelievable. He said, because Adam Arishon did not have parents. He was created. However you understand that process of creation, Adam Arishon did not have parents. Okay, again, I'm not getting into the processes, the processes of creation. But however you look at it, he and his parents, there was no normal linear link between him and his parents. There were no parents. Okay, whether it's again, like I said, creation, or even if a person understands it like in a Jewish understanding of a guided, of some sort of guided evolution, however you understand it. Again, Adam and Shon did not have parents. So therefore he says, 
since Adam did not have parents, the love for a son to a father was not codified into nature. Because he didn't have it. But Adam Rishon had a son. So the nature of the love of a father to a son is built into the parent. It's built into the father. There's a famous saying that goes, it's amazing that one father could take care of ten sons and ten sons can't take care of one father. How's that happen? I'm so sorry for all the people who I've just triggered. <laughs> Both the sons and the father. The answer is, because it's not naturally there inside of you. Because Adam and Rishon didn't have it. And if the first seed didn't have it, so all subsequent trees that come from that seed also don't have it. Now this says to me, many different lessons. <clears throat> but I think, mm, there's a few that bear our thought uh, today on this idea. The first is number one. The first idea is that the Torah, when it tells you to do something, what it's trying to do is give you something that you would otherwise not have done. In fact, I want to share with you something magnificent. The Chachamim tell us that we make Be'achan mitzvot, correct? Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Sheikh Shalom Tzav Tzimanu, Litatef Pesesit, Le'aniach Tefilin, Alitilat Yadayim, Right? How come there's no beracha on kibud avayim? But you're about to bring your father a cup of water. Blessed are you, Hashem. Elokeinu melech haolam, our God, the God of the world. Asher kirishanu sanctified us. With his mitzvot, with sivanu. And he commanded us, lechabed av. Lechabed avayim. So there's many answers to this question. Many answers. But for today's purposes, I'd like to bring you one of them. One of the answers that's brought down in the Rishonim is because Jews are not the only people that do this. In fact, in the Talmud, we learn about the laws of Kibbutz uh, Avaim from one such goy called Dama ben Natina. Dama ben Natina is a person who the rabbis came to him they wanted to sell, <clears throat> they wanted to buy from him a special stone that they needed for the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. And they offered him an exorbitant amount of money. And he said, I can't. And they raised the price and raised the price and raised the price. He said, I'm sorry, you don't understand. All the money in the world, I can't sell it to you. Why not? Because the key to the lockbox is under my father's pillow and he's sleeping. That wild. So Kimara says, we learn from Dama ben Natina, non-Jewish person, the proper way to do kibbutz avayim. People always say Esav, but I always respond, Esav is Jewish. <laughs> son of Rivka, son of Isaac. Okay, so, since we learn, since kibbutz avayim, since non-Jews send their parents Father's Day cards, and Mother's Day cards, some of them very nice to their parents, so it's not something which can be said to be unique. And look at the words of the Berakha. He sanctified us. Kiddushanu literally means to sanctify, but another interpretation of Kiddushah is 
Not holiness, but separate. So Kiddushanu means he separated us, Vitzivanu, by commanding us to do the mitzvot that the other people don't do. Since it's a mitzvah that they do, can't say the words, because it's a, uh, it's a universal experience, or at least to some degree. Okay? So what we're looking at is we see actually that many sons respect their fathers. So how could we say that it's not something which is planted in the nature of a child? And the answer is, my friends, that midot are planted in the nature of a child. Midot. So in other words, Adam Rishon had character traits, good character traits. One of Adam Rishon's character traits was that he gave thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He gave, right, he was appreciative. You could have a son who appreciates his father because his father's given him so much. That's not the same as the love of a father to a son. And the proof of that is that fathers love their sons no matter what their sons do. Fathers wait for their children to come back. Fathers give their kids a million chances. Sons do not do that for their fathers. How many times have I had someone come to me and say, do I have an obligation to honor my father? He did this. He did that. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. And I quote to them the Chinuch. The Chinuch says that there's two reasons why there's an obligation of Kibbut Avayim. One is because they took care of you, they did all the good things that parents do, sons, that fathers do for their sons. But even if they did nothing for you, says the Chinuch, you still have an obligation of Kibbut Avayim. Why? Because without them you don't exist. So it's true that in the world there is this idea that a son respects their father, but that's because you would do that or you would give that gratitude to anyone who gave you that much. And I always point this out. If someone gave you as much as your father gave you and he wasn't your father, you would be indebted to him, you'd kiss his toes, you'd say, so thank you, right? All the time I see this. You see people who are closer to their mentors than they are to their fathers. They're closer to their uncle. Why? Oh, my uncle took me to baseball games. Did he pay your freaking tuition? The baseball game was $100. Do you understand? So we actually have less hakaratatov to the gifts that come from our father. Now part of that is logical because the gifts that come from a father, a father should do that. It's natural, like we just said. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that just because it's natural, we don't, we don't appreciate it, my friends. So it turns out that what the Torah is commanding us in each of its mitzvot is to try and develop something that's not already in there. Even if it is natural, but it's not something which is already done, which comes easily. And the Torah is telling you, come on, I want you to go one step further. I'll just give you a simple example. An example that Rabbi Mizrahi brought up upstairs when he was talking about De'alach Sani, something which is hateful to you. He says, if you do a job for someone, the person doesn't pay you, send them a message, you know, we agree that today, could you please remit the payment? The person doesn't pay, you're already upset. He should have given it himself. He doesn't need you to remind him, right? He reminds you the next day. Oh, you don't pay. You tell him Monday. The guy calls you Monday. You're like, oh, I'm suffering. You blow up. But when you owe someone money, do you always pay the minute it comes due? No, we don't do that. The Torah says there's an obligation. Don't hold back the money that you owe someone for doing work for you. 
In fact, the Torah says you're not even allowed to go to sleep. You have to pay him that be your motiten tzicharo. Now, if in the industry it's expected that you'll pay him a week or a month, that's fine. But a day worker, you're not supposed to let, you're not supposed to let the day go by without paying him. Great tzaddikim, they were up in the middle of the night trying to find, knocking on different doors, trying to find the guy to be able to pay him before he even went to bed. Okay? So my friends, this idea of the Torah, the Torah is asking us to rise above the petty, basic nature of, of a human being, especially in the world that we live in. That's number one. Number two, I want to share that most of the time, people look at themselves and they think that their, war, their wars and their battles are for them alone. And they forget sometimes that the wars and battles that they fight in their day-to-day life are not only for them, they are a seed. Their children will be like that. So if you think to yourself about honesty, if you think to yourself about being communicative, if you think to yourself about raising a home full of love, being loving in the home, and you think that that's about you, you're making a mistake. Like your grandkids will grow up in a frigid, cynical, demanding house. You know why? Because that's a house your kids learn to build from you. They grew from your seed. So my friends, the future of your family, of your family name, of your children and your grandchildren, it grows from the effort you put in, from the battles that you fight. And much in the same way as Adam Arishon, the father-son, son-father dynamic, comes from his reality and is passed down to all of his children, which is all of us, so too are these things in our own lived experience. My friends, have rahmanut on your children. And even if a person is tough on their kids, people are not tough on their grandkids. What do they say to their kids about their grandkids? They say, you're being too hard on him. Hazi, leave him a little slack. You know he's going he's gonna to bounce back on you. You keep pushing him like this. He's going to, you know, he's going to get, he's going to rebel, he's going to run away. He's not going to want to do it. And what does a kid look at you and say? Dad, what are you talking about? How'd you raise me? Now, this is not about the fact that there's going to be a one-two punch that your kid's going to have and we're trying to take it away. But you sincerely wished that he would be a little bit more flexible with your grandson. Correct? But he doesn't know how. Because you didn't stick in the seed. My friends, even if you decide, and this is super important, so please pay attention to this. Even if you decide that your child needs discipline, and he's one of those kids, or she's one of those kids, that you give them an inch, they take a mile. Everybody's got one of those. Some have all of their kids of that. <laughs> Some that have none, but very few. So what do you decide? I need to go hard on the discipline. I need to make sure there's no, every boundary, every line, no line is to be crossed. Everything is an ultimatum. My friends, remember, they may have kids who are not like them. And if all you've given them is one mode, then they only have one mode. 
find opportunities where it doesn't matter so that you can model the different styles of parenting that you want them to have. You know, some people teach their kids all about hard work, about grinding it out, about trying hard, about never giving up. But then you've also taught your kid that there's never a point where you recognize that this is not the right way and you regroup and you head in another direction. So this great gift that you gave, which was a great gift, to really work hard at something, also comes with a terrible curse. Because it's the type of thing that you teach your children that they can never accept that maybe there's a time to move on. Find places to model this behavior where you can say, oh, you know what, we've put in a lot of effort, okay, it's not going somewhere. How do we resolve this? Show them that you don't get upset and go to the bar and start drinking, but rather you regroup, you figure out what can I salvage, how can I move on, teach them how to deal with defeat. And if you're not a person who ever gets defeated, create scenarios within which you get defeated so that you can model it, so you can put it in the seed. Show them how to give tzedakah. Show them how to be discerning in the tzedakah that they give. When not to give so much. When not to give with such an open hand. How to do some research on someone. Uh, so that they're not fooled by sometimes the stories that are, that are not real. How do you make a phone call? You call a rabbi, you ask the rabbi, there's somebody here. He, I mean, I'm thinking about making a considerable donation. He says he has the yeshiva. You have someone in Israel that could go down and check and see if it's legit, if the people are there, if the people are turning up. He says it's the best quality rabbis. Do you know something about them? Ask the follow-up questions. If you taught your kids that, let them see you make the phone call. So they see, you know what, my dad is so serious about every business opportunity. I see him chasing it up. I see him doing due diligence. I see him do, 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 doing R&D. He'll never invest in a company unless he gets the deck, unless he looks it over, unless he asks advice. Never. And yet he's willing to, when it comes to mitzvot, he's much less careful. These things, each one of them is an unbelievable seed that you are planting that can grow into something beautiful in future generations. And Rabotai, it's not just with children. It's with the people that you influence, the people you influence in the office, the people who look up to you. Everybody's got somebody. Hashem should bless us to be people that are cognizant that just as God creates things and we pick up the baton and we create in the image of God, so God created man and now we create man, we have babies, God created trees and fla flowers, and now we plant trees and flowers. God also created beginnings. And it is within our power to as well create beginnings, fresh starts. And if there was something that you feel that you did not see growing up, or you didn't get in your community, or you didn't get in your school, bring that initiative to the school. Bring that initiative to your family, to your company, and be like God, a creator of beginnings. Baruch Amen. Amen.